If you would like our free newsletters on various religious topics, just send us an email at cdebater at aol.com and free newsletters will be sent to you by mail. Just provide your postal address in your email. The following are samples of some of the newsletters we have available. Does God Believe in Atheists? Part 1 Seventh-day Adventism True or False The Agony of Deceit The Origins of Muhammad's Religion Spiritual Warfare Are Psychic Mediums Communicating with Ghosts or Demonic Spirits? Testimony to the Eternal Godhead, the Trinity. From Tradition to Truth, a Priest's Story. An Evaluation of the Oneness Pentecostal Movement. Mormonism, Counterfeit Christianity. Turn or Burn. Jehovah's Witnesses, Deceived Deceivers. Links to these newsletters can also be found at our website www.biblequery.org Once on the home page, simply click on the menu icon at the upper left-hand corner. Then click on the Newsletters button. Feel free to print them out. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. So here's what I saw on Twitter. I'm going to play it for you. I hope it works for you. Um, and you, you tell me what... What do you think? Mighty, I am present. I am here, O oh God, and I am the instrument of those sevenfold rays and archangels. We are your instrument of those sevenfold rays and all your archangels, all of them. And I will not retreat. I will take my stand. I will not fear to speak, and I will be the instrument of God's will, whatever it is. We will not retreat. We will not retreat. We will stand our ground. We'll, we will not fear to speak. We will be the instrument of your will. Whatever it is. Here I am, so help me God, in the name of Archangel Michael and his legions. I am preborn, and I shall remain preborn, and I shall not be enslaved by any foe within or without. In your name, and the name of your legions, we are freeborn, and we shall remain freeborn. And we shall not be enslaved by any foe, within or without. So help me God.
God bless you. God bless America. Thank you very much. That should t totally freak you out. Here you have General Flynn leading a, a huge room full of people. And I seem to recall a couple years ago, there was this tour, I guess is what you'd call it, uh, across America, featuring a lot of these people. I don't remember if Paula White was involved with it. I wouldn't be stunned or shocked if she was. But the point is, whatever we just saw was, first of all, <laughs> uh, I was about to say, first of all, was plagiarized. And then I realized, wait a minute, we don't know what that means anymore. <laughs> we, we can't even use that term anymore, can we? Um, we don't know what plagiarism is any longer. Um, but let's just go back to the old days when using something without proper attribution was, uh, was plagiarism. Okay. Making it sound like you are making this. Now I could be wrong. Maybe I'm being misled. Maybe he stood up there and said, I am going to lead you in a prayer that I, that originally was prayed by Elizabeth Clare prophet in 1984. Maybe he did that. And if so, that means it's a cult because <laughs> Elizabeth Clare Prophet was a cult leader. But I have this really strong feeling um, that that's not what was said, that there was no attribution. Now, does did Flynn do that? Well, once again, we run... We run into questions that have been raised by recent events over the past few years and even months. Um, did did he pull that quote, or did somebody else pull that quote and feed it to him? And he said, "Oh, this sounds great. This sounds wonderful. Um, yeah, let's run with this." I I'm I don't know. I don't know where the source was. Well, I know what the source was. I don't know how that got transferred into a religio-political gathering where you're literally leading people to say these words. I, I, I don't know. The, the, the level of national insanity that could be reached over the next number of months, um, I don't even know how to comment on it. I, I'm literally getting to the point where when you when you turn the computer on in the morning and you just see the level of insanity not only here in the United States um, but overseas as well hello this is Larry Wessels director of Christian answers I wanted to take this opportunity before the debate begins to let you know how this debate came about two weeks or so before this debate actually took place I was contacted by a local cable access television producer who stated there was a man representing the church universal and triumphant who was challenging for a debate I suggested to the cable producer that our ministry would be happy to put on a debate over our radio show and to have the church universal and triumphant man contact us 
The irony here is that the local cable access producer involved in this situation has helped produce Roman Catholic apologetic shows against our cable television programs for years, but in this circumstance did not seem to mind our ministry representing Christianity against the Church Universal and Triumphant. As events would turn out, the Church Universal and Triumphant member contacted us several times and the debate was set up. At first, I tried to contact several authors and speakers of leading counter-cult ministries to be our guest in representing Orthodox Christianity in the debate, but no takers were found. Most cited their schedule as being a problem. Since I did not want the opportunity to slip by, I decided to deal with the, the debate myself. I found Werner Zotter, the Church Universal and Triumphant representative, to be very kind and gentle, a very friendly and likable guy. In a way, after having met him, I still wonder, given his personality, how he actually challenged for this debate. Regardless, the issues involved in this debate are critical. The Church Universal and Triumphant concept of God is completely different from traditional Orthodox Christianity, Christianity while at the same time, the Church Universal and Triumphant will constantly use traditional Christian terminology. What happens in this case is a semantic word game where the Church Universal and Triumphant member uses Christian terms such as Jesus, but then redefines, redefines it out of its traditional meaning. In this way, Jesus becomes a great, quote, ascended master, end quote, and, quote, way-shower, end quote, like others before and after him. But of course, he could never be considered God himself worthy of absolute worship and the second person of the Trinity as Orthodox Christianity holds. The Church Universal and Triumphant cannot admit that Jesus is the God-man and that he died on the cross for our sins because it, was, it would completely destroy the Church Universal and Triumphant religion and theology. Take for instance Summit University, an educational organ of the Church Universal and Triumphant. Some of their course offerings are, quote, Consciousness of the Cosmic Christ and Planetary Buddha. Another course, quote, Mother Mary's Scriptural Rosary for the New Age. And one other course, quote, Meditations for the Conception of New Age Children, end quote. Their literature states that Summit University is sponsored by Gautama Buddha, and assisted by the world teachers, Jesus and Kathumi. The teachers at Summit University are the individual I am presence and Christ self, the ascended masters, and the messengers." End quote. Because of this integration of various world religions, New Age thought, and Christian terminology, it is no wonder that the Church Universal and Triumphant can make the following statements. Quote, we acknowledge and adore the one supreme God, the word God, there's a small g, G-O-D. We acknowledge and adore the one supreme God, the creator of heaven and earth, and the individualization of the God flame in the I am presence as the I am that I am, the source of life for each individual soul. We give allegiance to the word that was made flesh the only begotten of the Father, the eternal Logos, who is the universal Christ, individualized as the Christed self of the sons and daughters of God and the children of God. End quote. 
And of course that comes from uh, the book Tenets of Church Universal and Triumphant. Page 1, 1975. Also, another quote from Elizabeth Clare Prophet, the leader of the Church Universal and Triumphant. She says, quote, not at all content in having caused the rape of a planet, the fallen angels had as their goal the thorough indoctrinate, indoctrination of the people, so that when the Christ should come to save their souls from perdition, they would no longer recognize him as the archetype of their own God identity and the exemplar of that mission which they had failed to fulfill. They would either reject him totally or worship his personality as one who could do for them that which they had no right to do for themselves. End quote. And that comes from the Church Universal and Triumphant book, uh, Climb the Highest Mountain, uh, Summit Lighthouse, 1975, page 332. That was also co-authored by Elizabeth Clare Prophet's husband, Mark Prophet. This last quote highlights the belief of the Church Universal and Triumphant that the worship of Christ is a lie promoted by fallen angels. Well, with all this said, let's get on with the debate. Welcome to Christian Answers Live, an outreach of Christian Answers, a nationwide apologetics ministry dedicated to contending for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints, dedicated to giving Christian Answers. And now, from the studios of KIXL Radio in Austin, Texas, here are your hosts, Lee Meckley and Jim Tungate. Good evening, I'm Lee Meckley, and Jim Tungate is out for the evening. And in fact, our show tonight is pre-recorded. You will definitely find it very interesting and very informative. Tonight, we're going to be having a debate. We're going to be talking about the church, universal, and triumphant. Now, if you're not familiar with that uh, organization, uh, don't worry. We're going to be giving you all the details here in just a little bit. Now, we've got uh, this, evening, this evening's docket full, so we will go ahead and get started uh, by introducing the two participants in uh, the debate tonight. Uh, this evening, we are going to be uh, having representatives from the Church Universal and Triumphant and also a representative uh, representing traditional uh, Orthodox Christianity. Uh, the, representing the Church Universal and Triumphant is Werner Zotter. Now, Werner has been a member of the uh, Church Universal and Triumphant for 24 years, a former ministerial candidate, uh, trained for the ministry, attended Summit University in Colorado Springs to study the teachings of Jesus and Kathumi, Born in Austria, he attended St. Mary's Institute and is a 10-year permanent staff from 1972 to 1982. He also traveled with Elizabeth Clare Prophet internationally from 1972 to 1976. Uh, locally, Werner and his wife co-produce three cable access television shows and study with the uh, official branch of the Church Universal and Triumphant entitled The Heart of Texas Study Group. Uh, Werner, good evening and thank you very much for joining us this evening. Well, it's nice to be here. A great opportunity. Okay. Tell us a little bit about what you do over at uh, Austin Cable Access. Well, we have uh, three uh, shows uh, that we put on and uh, the shows are entitled The Mystical Paths and The Coming Revolution in Higher Consciousness. Okay, and uh, 
Verner is going to be debating our representative, uh, Larry Wessels. Uh, he is representing traditional Orthodox Christianity. Larry is a director of Christian Answers and a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, former church, uh, former director of Dayspring Evangelism and former columnist for the Believer's Guide magazine, a current staff writer for the Baptist Biblical Heritage magazine and former assistant with the Research and Education Foundation. Now, Larry co-hosts numerous cable access television shows, including Pilgrim Publications Presents, In Defense of the Faith, and Christian Answers Presents. And Larry has been in Christian Apologetics for 14 years. And Larry, good evening, and thank you very much for showing up. It's great to be here, Lee. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, uh, what, what what you do over at uh, Cable Access. Well, uh, uh, Cable Access, we uh, do quite a bit. We, we turn in these three programs, which you just mentioned, uh, the Pilgrim Publications, which gets into a lot of biblical theology and dealing with uh, different sects within the Christian church. And then we have another uh, series that we do called Christian Answers Presents, which mainly gets into world religions, uh, religious cults and sects, uh, that are outside the the Christian religion, and uh, various uh, topical issues such as that, and uh, then we do uh, various specials on uh, different topics. Okay, now tonight we have uh, come to talk about uh, the Church Universal and Triumphant, uh, headed by Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Now, if you're not familiar with this organization, we want to go ahead and take this opportunity to let you hear a little bit from Elizabeth Clare Prophet, and then we will go ahead and go to our break and then begin our debate and flesh out the details of what we want to talk about tonight. Lord Maitreya and El Moria have written profoundly on heart, the guarding of the heart as an organ, as a chakra, and then as the eighth ray secret chamber, and then as the threefold flame itself. When we desire to do what we are doing to balance, expand, blaze the threefold flame, we enter the heart. There is a stillness, there is a fire, and there is a presence. It is very delicate. It is a flame that can be extinguished. It is a tiny flame. There are also the shock waves to the heart that come from the entire planetary momentum or from the stress of our job, our life, our electronic belt, our own moods and emotions. We ourselves injure the heart chalice by our own discords. I have set the pattern for this decree, but you are not listening. You are still decreeing from without as the outer self giving an outer decree. It is time to enter your heart, be there with Christ, and feel that there needs to be a very calm and stable, smooth sound. It's not a staccato or a syncopated beat in this decree. It's smooth and equal. We are in the process of entering the heart to be alchemists, to call for the very balancing of this flame. You must understand that were God to come into your temple this instant and bring all of the plumes into exact equality, there would be an earthquake in your being which you would not be able to withstand. So God takes us increments by increments, and this is why 
God, Harmony and the Masters have begged us to keep our harmony because without harmony, the threefold flame cannot expand. If you do not balance your threefold flame, you cannot be a chalice for your own Christhood or for that of the Brotherhood. Elizabeth Clare Prophet of the Church Universal and Triumphant, and tonight we're going to be debating that organization, uh, the Church Universal and Triumphant versus Orthodox traditional Orthodox Christianity. And to begin our debate, we will have a 15-minute opening statement from Werner Zotter, who is representing the Church Universal and Triumphant, and that will be followed by a two-minute response from Larry Wessels. And Werner, if uh, you're ready there, we'll go ahead and give you 15 minutes from right now. Okay, well, thank you very much. And uh, it's a great time to begin right now. In that brief uh, opening uh, by Elizabeth Clare Prophet, you may have uh, remembered one word that uh, stands out from all the others, and perhaps it seems to be one word that also is so strong in our movement, and that word is decree. Now, it seems that um, decrees are not used uh, in the orthodox religions as you call them and uh, but we do use it and as it was stated back in the book of Job uh, 22 chapter 22 28 thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee and from there on I'm going to read something in my opening statement to you every moment each man or woman creates his own future Life, which is a God-given gift, continually acts to fulfill man's spoken or unspoken desires. Human thoughts and feelings are decrees in themselves and do produce with certainty and justice after their kind, whether joy or sorrow. Although they live in a sea of wisdom, most men create in ignorance. Their lives are therefore a mixture of both good and bad, a chaotic outpicturing of the so-called wheel of fortune. Believing honest men and women want to rise above self-imposed bondage and would shed unhappy human qualities of thought and feeling, long endured but not cured. El Moria, chief of the Darjeeling councils and uh, founder of the Summit Lighthouse, offers these decrees to the world in the sunlight of divine love and light. Now the constant and faithful use will plant the ever fertile ground of human consciousness with seeds of grace and sprouts of mercy. These in turn will yield the harvest of a new life, a personal harvest of harmony and abundance. Quickly fulfilled at our call through the individual growth and the expansion of God's sacred fire. Like the balm of Gilead, these decrees will anoint the weary souls of Earth's children and bind human hearts together with the ascended hosts, making the human and the divine one family, which can and will establish forever peace and victory in the light of God, which never fails. Now, the Summit Lighthouse was founded in Washington, D.C. in 1958 by the ascended master El Moria of Darjeeling, India, for the express purpose of publishing the teachings of the ascended masters dictated to the messengers Mark and Elizabeth Prophet, a unique non-denominational non religious and philosophical organization 
the Summer Lighthouse has become a forum for the Ascended Masters and their students throughout the world. With international headquarters in Corbin Springs, Montana, and study groups and teaching centers in the major cities, including Austin, Texas, the Ascended Masters and their students are disseminating the ancient wisdom to every nation. From its inception, the Summit Lighthouse has remained dedicated first to the development of the unlimited spiritual potential of man, and second, to the bringing forth of such progressive revelation as will assist the individual to unfold his character, his ideals, and his understanding of cosmic law. The Summit Lighthouse seeks the betterment of mankind and the resolving of all human problems through its program of assisting individuals and nations to realize their intrinsic worth and capability. Recognizing dogma and narrowness of belief as confining to the progress of the soul, the Ascended Master's teachings point to truth wherever it is found. In their approach to the religious quest, they outline the need for reason and order as well as consecration. The writings of the great masters published by the Summit Lighthouse point to the fact that nothing happens by chance, but everything happens according to natural and spiritual laws, which may often appear as chance. The universe was set into motion by infinite law and infinite wisdom. Even its finite characteristics show the scientific accuracy behind the manifestation. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are available to all, no matter what their educational or religious background. They are intended for those who maintain an open mind, for those who realize that a college or high school diploma by no means marks the completion of one study of life. Life is ongoing by nature, noble by intent, and spirited by vital purpose. Life is the great teacher of all men, and none dare close the mind to its secrets. Illusions of the world are screens that blur reality and conceal its grand design even from the most learned. Man dare not, if he would be free to know the truth, allow himself to remain sheltered by concepts that defy review, that stand idly by while civilizations crumble. Civilized man need not tear down the systems of the past by violent revolution, for he is capable of assessing social problems and of evolving solutions without destroying those foundations which are needed to support change in every area of living. With faith in man's inherent ability to apply himself to the will of his creator, we can seek a better understanding of ourselves and our raison d'etre here on earth. Man need not, actually here, men need to rely on the balance wheel that nature has placed within the psyche of man. Reliance on one's own sensitivity to truth and to reality will help the individual to clear the decks of mortal illusion and release the consciousness from stabbing confusion that numbs the brain and the being of man. We are living in a time when the media are often controlled, education is sometimes biased, and prejudice is frequently incited. Each man seeks the good life, but seldom is he sure of just what the good life really is. Evil forces are bent on the overthrow of all religion, right or wrong. They would like to drown its meaning in the tide of events and in the cross-currents of social unrest. Men are willing to forfeit freedom while they place their hopes in the group mystique, whose collective deliberations have been pronounced superior to individual conscience. 
Amidst the confusion of the age, the Summit Lighthouse rises a spiritual tower to keep the flame of wonder, joy and faith forever alive in the hearts of men. Its authority is derived from the order of devotees comprised of the ascended masters and their unascended chilas known as the Great White Brotherhood. Having mastered time and space and ascended into the white light of the presence of God, the ascended masters have fostered the exploration of reality and the defining of individual self-mastery since the dawn of civilization. This spiritual order has been behind every constructive endeavor that has ever been brought forth upon the planet. Its members have founded churches, fraternities, governments, hospitals, schools, and every type of philanthropic organization. Working in the main behind the scenes, they have mercifully overlooked mankind's violence, selfishness, and greed, always striving to replace chaos with noble purpose and actively seeking to elevate the consciousness of mankind by reestablishing man's faith in his immortal destiny as a son of God. These selfless servants have sought no personal credit for their doings. They have aligned themselves with the presence of life in all men as it was revealed by Jesus and others who have been sent to bring the light of truth to a darkened world. Since its founding in 1958, the Summit Lighthouse has remained a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. To all who seek the truth of the inner self and the knowledge of cosmic law and its personal and planetary application, in the midst of the multifaceted activities of the Ascended Masters and the expansion of the organization under the capable direction of the messengers, the Summit Lighthouse has remained, in the words of Longfellow, steadfast, serene, immovable, the same, year after year, through all the silent night, burns on forevermore the quenchless flame, shines on that inextinguishable light. The organizational requirements of an expanding movement have been met by the Ascended Masters in the founding of Church Universal and Triumphant, Summit University, Montessori International, and the opening of community teaching centers throughout the world. But the Summit Lighthouse endures the Tower of Power upon the Rock, symbol of light of the I am that I am, and the summit of each one's being, the very present help in time of trouble. To thousands of devotees of truth, the Summit Lighthouse has been a beacon through the night, guiding the soul to the port of reality. Our standard is commitment to cosmic purpose and to the brotherhood of man under the fatherhood of God. Those whose loyalties are the same will find much in common with our service. All truth has its origin in universal law. The consciousness of man as a repository of truth provides opportunity for endless research. Those who study with us learn how they can overcome deep-seated limitations that in some cases from birth onward have prevented their manifestation of the full and rich life they were intended to enjoy. Man is like a flower. His consciousness and body temple provide him with a platform for magnificent achievement. He is intended to blossom and to bear fruit. He is intended to pursue happiness while being harmless. He is intended to achieve, to overcome difficulties and limitations, and to rise to heights far above his present norm, that he might benefit his fellow men and set an example for the age. The Keepers of the Flame Fraternity is a worthy body of men and women dedicated to self-improvement and the upliftment of humanity. Since 1958, the Summit Lighthouse has been publishing weekly letters of the Ascended Masters to their students throughout the world, called Pearls of Wisdom. These letters are the 
intimate contact, heart to heart, between Guru and Sheila. They contain instruction on cosmic law, commentary on current conditions on the earth, and whatever the hierarchy of the Great White Brotherhood deems necessary to individual initiation of those who form a part of this great movement of light bearers on earth. Now this is, um, should shed some light on what Church Universal is all about. The Summit Lighthouse is the publishing end for the teachings of the Ascended Masters. And before it's Church Universal and Triumphant was actually a formal church formed in 1975. Since 1958, up until that time, it was known as the Summit Lighthouse. And, you know, it wasn't a church, and we had many people from other churches, and many people who didn't belong to churches, and we still do now have people just becoming keepers of the flame and studying the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Thank you for now. Okay. Now, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Christian Answers Live. I'm Lee Meckley, and uh, Jim Tungate, my regular co-host, is out for the evening. We are having a debate, uh, the Church Universal and Triumphant uh, versus traditional Orthodox Christianity. We have Werner Zotter, who you have just heard, giving his opening remarks. And now, Larry, if you are ready, we're going to go ahead and have a two-minute response from you. All right, Lee. I appreciate that. Well, uh, I appreciate what, you know, that Werner's here tonight with us to present his views, and uh, I thank him for that. I would like to take issue with some of the things he said. Uh, basically, uh, uh, the question comes up, how do we know these ascended masters are telling us the truth? I mean, there's lots of truth claims out there, and we don't always know who's telling the truth or not. Uh, the, apparently, the authority here is this El Moria, and uh, these ascended masters are teaching us through the pearls of wisdom. But uh, I don't know if we can, uh, I heard uh, Werner mention some scripture verses and things of that nature, but I think we're going to find in this discussion tonight that there's going to be a big contrast between the teachings of these ascended masters and what we find in the word of God. Really, the, the crux of this whole situation is our authority. Uh, Werner talked about decrees and having an open mind. He mentioned uh, different things, the brotherhood of man, fatherhood of God. But uh, where is he getting these things from? Apparently from these ascended masters who speak through Elizabeth Clare Prophet of the Church Universal and Triumphant. Our task tonight is to see if what, what these ascended masters say is true or not. And I would contend that uh, what they're saying is not true, that we find truth in the word of God. The scripture says in many places, uh, for instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. And that comes from uh, the, the word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So do these ascended masters teach what we find in the scripture? Or are we going to find a, a tremendous contrast between the two? I think what we find in a uni church universal and triumphant is a deification of man and a subjugation of the sovereign Lord of the universe and of the scriptures. Okay, thank you very much, Larry. You're listening to Christian Answers Live. We're going to go ahead and take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll get a 15-minute opening statement from Larry Wessels and a two-minute response from Werner Zotter. Uh, okay, gentlemen, Larry, if you are ready, we'll go ahead and let your statement begin right now. 
All right, thank you, Lee. Well, I'd like to begin uh, with uh, a little bit of the history of the church, universal and triumphant. And I'm getting some excellent material here from the Dictionary of Cults, Sects, Religions, and the Occult, published by Zondervan uh, out in 1993 of uh, Mather and Nichols. And uh, I'll just uh, read some of the things that are said here. Uh, there are numerous churches that grew out of the, quote, I am, end quote, movement, chief of which was the church, universal and triumphant. I am has its roots in an eclecticism of ancient Gnosticism, Eastern mysticism, theosophy, and Christianity. Borrowed from Exodus 3.14, the phrase I am attempts to capture the locus and essence of deity that resides in a line of, quote, ascended masters, end quote, throughout history. The I am movement proper began in the 1930s with Guy Ballard. He lived from 1878 to 1939, and his wife Edna, 1886 to 1971. Borrowing from the Gnostic idea that God, as absolute spirit, is only accessible through human intermediaries, the Ballards taught that these masters had been raised up at various times throughout history to reveal God's truth. The chiefs of the ascended masters were Jesus and a 17th century occultist, Saint Germain, with whom Ballard claimed to have had contact in 1930 on Mount Shasta in California. The immediate precedent to the Ballards were the books and teachings of Baird T. Spaulding. Spaulding's life and teachings of the masters of the Far East contained ideas parallel to those of Ballard and other I Am teachers. Spaulding also believed that the essential I Am presence dwells within everyone. Ballard recalled his encounter with Germain in his book Unveiled Mysteries, 1934. Germain had related to Ballard that he, Germain, had gone through successive stages of reincarnations and had finally achieved the status of an ascended master. Ballard himself, Germain revealed, had also, had also been reincarnated many times throughout history. One of these reincarnations was George Washington. Ballard's I Am movement flourished during the 1930s and Unveiled Mysteries was in great demand. As many as 3.5 million people were reported to be part of the movement, though statistics are difficult to verify. Headquarters is presently located in Schamburg, Illinois. Trouble erupted for the Ballards in 1939 when, due to criticism from the media, public meetings were suspended and meetings were restricted to members only. Further complications arose with the death of Guy Ballard in December of 1939. His wife, Edna, claimed that her late husband was now an ascended master himself. Skepticism and disillusionment arose, however, and many left the movement because the Ballards had taught that physical death would not come in the process of becoming spiritually liberated and enlightened. Edna, however, claimed that she had been in constant communication with her husband after his death. Additional problems arose for Edna and her son, Donald, when they were accused of mail fraud and fraudulent solicitation of funds. They were convicted and consequently released. She continued to provide leadership for the movement until her death in 1971. She was succeeded by Jerry and Ann Craig and Edna Ballard's former organist, Frederick Landwehr. Membership has steadily declined, declined in the last two decades. The largest and most significant offshoot of this I Am movement is the Church Universal and Triumphant. The Church Universal and Triumphant was founded by Mark L. Prophet, 1918-1973. Prophet, a theosophist, claimed to have received revelations from the Ascended Master El Moria, after which Prophet announced that he was the secretary or revealer of El Moria's thoughts and discourses. A book titled Leaves of Moria's Garden by Nicholas Rowich uh, served as a guide to many of Prophet's own ideas. In 1975, the Church Universal and Triumphant, then known as the Summit Lighthouse, published 
an important document allegedly written by El Moya. This, the significance of the document lies in the fact that the movement here made an attempt to show an intricate link between key leaders of theosophy, ascended masters throughout history, the Ballards, and finally Mark Prophet. The following is from Mark Prophet's El Moya, The Selah and the Path. Quote, in 1876, Hel Helena Provovna Blavatsky was ordered by the master Kathumi and me, then known as the Masters KH and M, to write Isis Unveiled. Commissioned by Jesus and Jesus the Christ, the Ascended Master Hilarion and Mother Mary, Mary Baker Eddy, was given certain revelations that she set forth in science and health with key to the scriptures. Though at times beset with their own preconceptions and the burden of the mass consciousness, these witnesses codified the truth and the law of East and West as the culmination of thousands of years of their soul's distillations of the spirit. In the 1930s came the twin flames. Now, this, I'm still quoting uh, 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 Mark Prophet here in his book. In the 1930s came in the twin flames of Guy W. Ballard and Edna Ballard imparting the sacred mystery of the law of the I am further knowledge of hierarchy and the invocation of the sacred fire and the path of ascension. Representatives tried and true of St. Germain, they were commissioned to remain the only messengers of the hierarchy of the Aquarian age until mankind should redeem a certain portion of their karma. When that cycle was fulfilled, St. Germain, together with the Darjeeling Council, sponsored Mark and Elizabeth Prophet to carry on the work not only of the Ballards and the I Am movement, but also of Nicholas and Hitt uh, Helena Rowich. And so the mother flame of Russia and the mother flame of America converge in the spirals of freedom and victory for the sons and daughters of God in both nations and in every nation upon earth. End quote. Elizabeth Clare Wolfe was an attendant at some of Mark Prophet's early conferences. She was immediately attracted to him as they shared a common vision on the night of April 22, 1961 in Boston. They were soon married and found themselves in constant contact with the spirit world. According to one source, eventually Mark and Elizabeth began to, proclaim to, began to proclaim themselves the divinely appointed messengers of the, quote, great white brotherhood, end quote, and sought international outlets for their teachings, end quote. The messengers alluded to were understood to be divinely appointed heralds spoken of in Revelation 11.3. The Summit Lighthouse was founded in 1958 in Washington, D.C. The prophets moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado, several years after their marriage, and they, several years after their marriage, they purchased a mansion to house their new headquarters. By 1969, approximately 100 followers had been amassed in the organization. They had been told of and were waiting eagerly for prophets' ascension into oneness with God. Shock and disappointment came, however, when Mark died suddenly of a stroke on February 26, 1973. Greatly disillusioned, many of the disciples began to leave the movement, as had previously been the case when Ballard died in 1939. And like Edna Ballard, Elizabeth Clare Prophet declared that her husband had become an ascended master by the name of Lanello. Lanello then allegedly dictated the words to a book entitled Cosmic Consciousness as the Highest Expression of the Heart. Far more important than the work written supposedly after Mark Prophet had died was the major book written by the prophets while he was still alive, namely Climb the Highest Mountain, 1972. This work is considered the organization's authoritative text containing the collective revelations of the ascended masters. Shortly after Mark's death, 
Elizabeth was remarried to Randall King. Headquarters were relocated to a Roman Catholic monastery in California called Camelot. It was here that King and Prophet decided to rename the organization uh, to the Church Universal and Triumphant, retaining the name Summit Lighthouse for the publishing arm of the organization. The organization was not alone, however, in experiencing name change. Uh, through a series of dictations from the Ascended Masters, Elizabeth Prophet was granted the titles of, quote, Guru Ma, quote, Mother of the Flame, and, quote, Mother of the Universe. Shortly after the move to California, Elizabeth discovered King to be having an, an affair. She divorced him both from the church and herself, and in 1981, remarried a third time to Edward Francis. The new marriage also precipitated a new move. In the, in the same year, 1981, the Church Universal and Triumphant purchased the Malcolm Forbes Ranch in Corwin Springs, Montana. Five years later, Camelot was sold and headquarters were relocated to the new home. In 1987, headquarters were moved to a 40,000 acre inner retreat near Gardens, Montana. Unlike I Am, the Church Universal and Triumphant continues to grow rapidly under the leadership of Prophet. Now there's some other interesting items here I have in, in recent events, uh, quoting from the PFO Journal of July through September 1986. It says here, a superior court jury in Los Angeles awarded $1.5 million to a former member of the Church Universal and Triumphant who claimed the church left him emotionally and physically debilitated. Church leader Elizabeth Clare Prophet and the church were held liable for the damage allegedly done to Gregory Mull, age 64, a former church ar architect. Testimony in the trial allowed the public a rare look at the church's inner workings. The church, based in Calabasas, California, mixes Christian terminology with Eastern occult teachings. Prophet claims to receive spiritual guidance from 14 ascended masters, including Jesus, Buddha, the Virgin Mary, and her late husband, Mark Prophet. Another PFO journal uh, article dated from July to September 1990 states Elizabeth Clare Prophet, leader of the Church Universal and Triumphant, once again has misled her followers with doomsday predictions. After consulting astrological charts that indicated grave dangers in the months of March and April 1990, Prophet directed her followers to retreat to bomb shelters at a church-owned site in Montana. The faithful waited, March and April passed, and no doomsday occurred. However, the cult did get in trouble with environmental authorities who detected a leak from a church-owned gasoline tank. Another uh, article from uh, the PFO Journal from October to December 1990 states, Following her failed prediction that astrological charts indicated that doomsday would occur during the months of March or, uh, or April 1990, Elizabeth Clare Prophet, leader of the Church Universal and Trump, received, re received more bad news. Prophet had been ordered to discontinue the building of the fallout shelters of her church's property. A Montana state judge made the ruling after a leak of about 31,000 gallons of gasoline and diesel fuel from underground storage tanks at the church's bomb shelter complex. The complex is on the boundary of Yellowstone National Park. And uh, going to one more PFO journal article from October to December 1994, it states, Elizabeth Clare Prophet's Church Universal and Triumphant has settled its dispute with the Internal Revenue Service and has regained its tax-exempt status, which had been revoked in 1992. The Montana-based New Age sect has lost its status after a three-year tax audit. It responded by suing the IRS. 
the 35-year-old church founded by a prophet uh, gained notoriety over the past few years for its doomsday prophecies and, and as a defendant in environmental lawsuits. And there's more information here I could go on to, but it says, under the terms of the IRS agreement, the church admitted no mismanagement. However, it will have to transfer a restaurant, store, ranch, and farm to taxable subsidiaries. Additionally, the group's sport clubs will not be permitted to keep guns on church property. Concurrently, the 56-year-old spiritual leader, Elizabeth Clare Prophet, also gave birth to a son in July. The 5-pound, 13-and-a-half-ounce boy was born to Mrs. Prophet and her husband, Ed Francis. Francis is vice president of the church. Mrs. Prophet has four children from her marriage to the late Mark Prophet. Now, with that said, I'd like to uh, close this, this uh, statement with some of the teachings of uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet and the Church Universal and Triumphant. And as we continue in this debate, we'll get into more of this as time allows. But uh, basically, when it comes to the idea of God, uh, the Church Universal and Triumphant does not, uh, they, they believe that God does not exist apart from the created universe. Regarding its conception, uh, conceptualization of God, the group embraces a pantheism similar to that of Hinduism. Like many other groups, the Church Universal and Triumphant does not make the distinction between God and creation that Christianity does. When it comes to Jesus Christ, the uh, Church Universal and Triumphant understands Jesus and the Christ to be two different concepts. Similar to Christian science and the numerous mind sciences, Jesus was the historical person who lived in Palestine 2,000 years ago, while Christ embodies a principle of divine consciousness possessed by everyone. Jesus' outstanding fiat accomple was his ability to achieve an unprecedented level of consciousness, which in effect enabled him to achieve the status of Christ. The, the church, universal and triumphant, like many other groups within the scope of this volume, does not embrace the Christian doctrine of the two natures of Christ in a hyperstatic union. Now, uh, there's also contrast uh, with the church, universal and triumphant and orthodox Christianity on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of man, the doctrine of salvation, the gospel, the church, end times, and, and so forth. And even in some Teach, in, in Mrs. Prophet's book, The Lost Years of Jesus, she uh, claims that Jesus did not die on the cross as an atonement for sin, according to, to uh, the Ascended Masters. The, the, she says this is a pagan doctrine, that they, they, and it has nothing to do with uh, Jesus' earthly ministry. Now, I could go on and on on this, but let me make it cl clear here as I conclude that uh, the Church Universal and Triumphant uh, under Elizabeth Clare Prophet differs diametrically on almost every essential doctrine of the historic Christian faith. From Jesus to the nature of God to salvation itself, the church universal and triumphant is absolutely in contrast to what we as Christians believe today. Okay. All right. You're listening to Christian Answers Live. I'm Lee Meckley, and this evening we're having a debate on uh, the subject of the Church Universal and Triumphant, specifically the uh, Church Universal and Triumphant versus traditional Orthodox Christianity. We've just heard a 15-minute opening statement from Larry Wessels, who is uh, representing uh, Orthodoxy, and now uh, Werner Zotter, who is representing the Church Universal and Triumphant. If you are ready, we'll go ahead and let you begin your two-minute rebuttal. Okay, I'll start right here. I'm going to read um, uh, the author's message here from a book called Climb the Highest Mountain. I happen to be in Colorado Springs at the time when this book was being printed and written by the, both the messengers, Elizabeth and Mark Prophet. Um, to all 
to you who would climb the highest mountain. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Tooth is the summit of being. We have called that summit God, indeed the God of all tooth. No matter what our religion, we are all like people at the bottom of a valley who seek to climb a snowy peak that dominates the others. We all have our eyes fixed on the same goal, and we agree that there is but one summit to reach. Unfortunately, we differ on, on what road to take. Guides come forward and we follow them. Some go one way, others choose different paths. All are convinced that their trail is the best, and all are sincere. By following them, we approach the one goal. But when the groups which started from different points meet, instead of uniting, they seek to convince each other, mutually, that it is they who have discovered the best road. And they sometimes end by throwing insults and stones at each other. Yet they know that one day, provided they never stop ascending, they must all meet at the top of the mountain, and that the road to reach it matters little. We uphold, as God does, the right of every man to choose the path he shall take to the summit of his own being. Although we cannot make the journey for him, we would offer a hand to help him on the way. Okay. Thank you very much, Werner. And you are listening to Christian Answers Live. That was uh, Werner Zotter representing the Church Universal and Triumphant. He has been a member for 24 years and is a former ministerial candidate uh, trained for the ministry. He attended Summit University in Colorado Springs to study the teachings of Jesus and uh, Kathumi. He was born in Austria. He attended St. Mary's Institute, 10-year permanent staff from 1972 to 1982, traveled with Elizabeth Clare Prophet uh, internationally from 1972 to 1976. Locally, Werner and his wife uh, co-produced three cable access television shows and studied with the official branch of the Church Universal and Triumphant entitled the Heart of Texas Study Group. Werner, again, thank you very much for coming this evening. Oh, thank you for having me. It's real nice being here and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Okay. And uh, representing Christian Answers and the traditional Orthodox Christian view is Larry Wessels. Larry is a director of Christian Answers. Uh, he is a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, former director of Dayspring Evangelism, former columnist for the Believer's Guide magazine, and current staff writer for the Baptist Biblical Heritage magazine. Also, he's former uh, assistant with the Research and Education Foundation. Larry co-hosts numerous cable access television shows, including Pilgrim Publications Presents, In Defense of the Faith, and Christian Answers Presents. Larry has been in Christian apologetics for... 14 years. And Larry, definitely nice to have you in this evening. Well, thank you, Lee. It's great to be here. Okay. Now, we're just about to go to a break, and when we come back from uh, the break, we are going to go ahead and engage in uh, direct dialogue between these two gentlemen so that you can become more informed about the Church Universal Land Triumphant. Uh, before we go to our break, we have a sound clip that is from a March 1990 nationally syndicated television program. Our shelters are not to be used for anything but a nuclear war. There's no going underground. There's no plans for going underground. That is preposterous. Contrary to Guru Ma, local contractors working at various sites claim many shelters are occupied now, even though state officials have barred habitants until proper sewage systems are in place. And according to Profit, Doomsday is less than a month away. Though she originally predicted an apocalypse last October. Until the end comes, this clan waits in the shelters, armed, true believers, convinced this is their salvation. Lewis West, a professor of psychology at UCLA, says doomsday is coming. 
not for the planet, but for the church universal and triumphant. He says Prophet has painted herself into a corner. When the world doesn't explode, her followers will be disillusioned and drift away. Okay, that was a clip from a 1990, March 1990 nationally syndicated television program. Werner, you have been uh, with the Church Universal and Triumphant for 24 years, and obviously you did not become disillusioned or drift away. Uh, what, uh, what's your feelings about that? Well, actually, you know, um, in a statement earlier that I listened to uh, Larry, uh, when Mark Prophet... Uh, passed on and uh, actually did make his ascension uh, uh, several people in the group did leave and uh, of course we have free will and that exercise in free will perhaps I have treasured above all else in my life and what I'm getting at is that um, I grew up uh, in Austria um, in the 19 from 1942 on where I still, as a perhaps a three-year-old, remember the actual war, and I do remember occupation for at least eight years following that war. And so to me, um, shelters and uh, things of that nature had a totally different meaning. And I, I had to, I actually had to live them, and I did remember spending days and hours with total strangers uh, when the air sirens went off. Anyone would grab a child and would take him into these fallout shelters, or actually we call them in those days bunkers because we didn't have nuclear uh, bombs, but we definitely had uh, bombs that really made a mess of things, as you know. And I would spend, uh, you know, my early childhood life uh, uh, with total strangers many times. And so I knew in uh, pressing situations, it was always, a, uh, you know, as crude as, as it was, it was a haven to retreat to. We did have, for children, they were always well treated. We had candy and we had uh, saltines and things like that. We had water and we had uh, funny looking flashlights that had all sorts of different colors. We had distractions. But I tell you, there was a tremendous amount of uh, concern and fear in the adults and so when this this was happening, uh, when we were preparing as the uh, the tape had played these fall shelters, to me it was just a matter of all systems go. Yeah, I'm all for it. I've been there, and I uh, that's why I'm still here. I thought it was a great thing. Here's here's uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet uh, Werner uh, making a prophecy of some sort based on her astrological charts uh, for those dates there in 1990 of which did not come to pass now you're used to being in bunkers and war and all these types of things but now uh, if she is uh, w would you agree based on uh, you know the teachings of the church universal and triumphant that she is pretty much the sole mouthpiece right now for the ascended masters or would you take issue with that oh I I don't know whether I would take issue with it but I do um, acknowledge her office and, uh, and revere her office as the messenger for the great white brotherhood and I do think that offices that people hold uh, to be honored and uh, it's just something to my uh, my liking and again uh, my um, exercise in, in free will which I treasure above all things is that exercise in being here in the United States where we can still do that uh, now, 
Now, what I'm getting at basically is she, uh, from your point of view, being a representative of the church, uh, universal and triumphant, she is the one who would give us the tea. I mean, there's not other people in the world right now that are getting the great white brotherhood, these ascended masters, getting their teachings. It's only her. Is that correct? Well, you know, I'm going to have to really be careful of how I answer your question because I, I have not met anyone else at this time who, who receives the, the actual teachings of the Great White Brotherhood as they are coming through our messenger Elizabeth Clare Prophet. But again, I have not m met every in individual that leads uh, spiritual movements and that. I do think there are many, many who receive the teachings of the Ascended Masters. And I think the teachings of the Ascended Masters work through many individuals. But I believe the messengership that Elizabeth Clare Prophet was trained for as a uh, messenger for the Great White Brotherhood uh, under the direct... Uh, um, teaching of uh, Mark Prophet, who was her teacher, who was a messenger for the Great White Brotherhood, they hold that office, and I respect that office, and I feel wonderful with that. Okay, uh, and but now, now uh, I respect your answer. Okay. The, the question uh, I would have then is, uh, we were talking earlier in the first hour here about authority, the uh, El Moria and uh, Mark Prophet and the Ascended Masters of Great White Brotherhood. Uh, authority, and I was suggesting that the uh, the contrast here between uh, your organization and, and Orthodox Christianity is the Orthodox Christianity holds to the Scriptures, the Bible as we know it, the 66 books, the canonical Scriptures, uh, as our authority, whereas your authority is these ascended masters who are communicating through, at this time, Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Now, if this is true, that she is the one who as far as you know, at this point in time, is the only one receiving these these uh, messages of this authority figure or or counsel or whatever it could be described as. Uh, how could she make a mistake of uh, predicting, let's say, as we were listening on these tapes and and so forth, uh, this this uh, doomsday prediction of a nuclear war and so forth uh, for you know, March, April, 1990, if she's in such communication with these Ascended Masters, how can she make a mistake like that and then pass it on to all her followers? Okay, that's a long question, and I, um, I, I try to follow you in my heart and uh, how possibly I will answer this question. Here, here is what I feel, that I believe that uh, what we were being pre prepared for was something that could have happened and I strongly f feel that calamities and intense situations like that can be uh, averted or mitigated if someone is made aware of a possible threat and praise to, to God in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe in my heart, with, in all sincerity, that much can be averted. And I believe it was by the grace of God and only by the grace that we did not have to go through what was prophesied. Prophecies can be changed. The Nostradamus prophecies, my goodness, how accurate that man was, but how much can be, and I hope, be averted through the power of prayer and supplication to the deity. Okay, so 
basically uh, uh, Elizabeth Clear Prophet then today could receive a uh, revelation, maybe a pearl of wisdom of some sort from the uh, uh, great, great white brotherhood of some impending uh, disaster, let's say, and uh, people would prepare for that based on what she gives as her message of revelation. And then it could not come true be, uh, based on what you just were telling me. Uh, in other words, there's a possibility that this would just not happen for other mitigating circumstances. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I mean, I, I'm just trying to figure out how can I put confidence in, you know, if the prophecies can change, how do I ever really know if it's going to come to pass? Because it could it could be mitigated. It could be changed. Yeah. Well, you know, um, uh we look at things, we have a, a certain perceived way of looking at things, and we have to really allow in faith that, you know, I always hear in English a great term, oh, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't have to be. But we, we prepare. It's like, it's like the, uh, we, we came over on the Cunard uh, ship lines from, uh, we sailed from Le Havre, France, to Halifax, Canada, when I finally made it to North America. And on that boat were many, many small rescue boats. And we saw them. We saw them. We said, we hope we don't have to use those. We don't have ever need to use them. And there were swells. There were tremendous tides and then things on the Atlantic Ocean as we crossed and storms. And although I was young, I still, I, I imagine, I hoped, and I heard my mother say, I hope we don't have to go into those boats. And guess what? The following day, there was calm seas, but they had us trained to use those boats, get into our life jackets, hundreds of people speaking all different kinds of languages, following commands to get prepared to go into those boats in the event there is, you know, uh, uh, like a titanic situation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the uh, way I'm looking at it, as you probably perceive it, uh, I, I, in my own perspective, I need uh, some real authority that I can trust, and, I, and not, that's not going to change on me at any time. In other words, I'm looking more at an absolute truth rather than something that's relative mm -hmm. that can change on me. So if, if God tells me, let's say, that uh, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world, then I should be able to believe what he says, you know, and, and I don't have to worry about, let's say, mitigating circumstances coming into play where suddenly God decides not to send Jesus the Christ. And uh, in other words, what I'm saying is I need a source of authority that I can count on and depend on to be reliable and will come to pass. And when I look in the scriptures, that's all, that's the only kind of God that I have presented to me from Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, throughout the entire text of the scripture, you have, you know, 435 prophecies in the Old Testament of the coming of Jesus, the, the Christ, the, the Messiah, uh, predicting in Psalm 22 that he'll be crucified on a cross. Uh, you know, in, in Isaiah 53, it says that he's going to be suffer for the sins of the people. Uh, all these prophecies, and, and of course, and you know, in the New Testament, uh, uh, Matthew uh, writes about these prophecies, how Jesus per fulfilled these prophecies uh, uh, when he rode on the cult of the donkey on Palm Sunday. Uh, that's a prophecy that was in Zechariah chapter 2. Uh, so what I'm saying is what we find in Scripture, and it's not just those prophecies either, it's all kinds of prophecies about cities, places, Tyre, Sidon, 
Babylon. Uh, you know, have you ever read Ezekiel? You can see that that prophet is really a fiery prophet. He's predicting destruction of cities. Uh, people will be put to the sword. The women and children will be killed. All kinds of uh, things are predicted, and God says, "I will surely bring them to pass." And so, what I'm what I'm getting at here basically is just a contrast for the sake of the listener. And I like your comments on this. Mm-hmm. Is uh, what I'm presenting is from the historic Christian perspective, what we find in Scripture is something that's absolute, that God will uh, prophesy something that will happen and he will bring it to pass. Uh, you know, that no one will be able to lift a hand and say, what doest thou, as, as the Scripture says, particularly, you know, there in Daniel and, and in Isaiah and, and so forth. So... How does this concept of God being sovereign, that God controls everything that takes place? The scripture even talks about how God even controls the devil <laughs> and the demons and everything like that. How does this uh, fit into the context of the theology that the church universal and triumphant uh, professes in this regard? Okay. Um, well, I must, I must tell you that uh, God... Um, is sovereign and Jesus is Christ uh, as a matter of fact Jesus is the head of my church Church Universal and Triumphant and um, as is, far as the, uh, go ahead oh I was going to say is he the head of the uh, brother, the great white brotherhood is he the head ascended master uh, you know like in a hierarchy you have levels okay jesus is our brother he is the great master jesus the master of galilee oh by the way i happen to spend a little bit of time traveling with both mark and elizabeth claire prophet in the middle east and it was wonderful to just to walk in the footsteps of the great master and be on the sea of galilee and uh to many jesus and uh, they, they look to jesus as the way shower Mm-hmm. Um, others follow the eightfold path of the Buddha or the law of Moses. In the West, they have pursued the calling of St. Francis and Claire, of the little flower of Jesus and the Virgin Mother. In the East, they hail Maitreya, Lord Krishna, Lao Tse, and Confucius. These and countless others have demonstrated the principles of truth and left a record of exemplary lives. But whomever the seeker follows, it is results that count. If a man's philosophy does not make him a better man, capable of contributing something of worth to his friends and to his society, then either he or his philosophy has failed. And I think in our case with the Ascended Masters, they do this. They are way-showers. For us, and we have, uh, we are persuaded by them. We are persuaded by their, by their philosophy. Uh, how do you know these ascended masters are, let's say, telling you the truth? Well, you know, we can be coming back to that same word all the time, truth. And I think it was Jesus Himself when He stood before Pilate, and Pilate said, "What is truth? The spirit of truth." We keep coming back to it. That's and right. we say in our uh, teaching, as I opened up the, the commentary with, is that truth is the summit of being, and we have called that summit God. 
indeed the God of all truth. Now, uh, we go back to the question before that you had. Jesus also said in the garden, you know, take this cup from me. I, if I don't have to go through this, take it from me. But then he also said, but how will the scriptures be fulfilled? So here you have the great master, the great master who all angels of heaven would come to his rescue, mm -hmm. but he exercises free will and obedience to the Father. And in our own way, I have free will and I choose to exercise that obedience as best as I can to something that I feel so strong is truth. And truth becomes that authority, and I feel it. And that's all I can tell you. Okay, so uh, for you, truth is determined by a feeling. Uh, basically, if you feel it's true, then it's true. I'll go a little bit, because feeling could have a meaning to some, to you or I, of a slight difference. But I say that feel the truth has a vibration, a vibration that permeates, that penetrates. Sort of like a burning in the bosom or something like that? In the bosom, also in the brain, also in, 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 in the divine intellect and in the heart of God in me. Okay, so uh, let's take, for instance, when you read the, the scriptures, mm -hmm. which I hold to be the Word of God, Yes. Uh, do you get that burning sensation that the scriptures are telling you the truth? Or do these scriptures... Or are they mainly just a bunch of words to you that have to be interpreted by the Ascended Masters? No. On the contrary, uh, those words that I read in the Bible, in the good book, the great book, many times bring tears to my eyes. But many times when I hear someone else read them, either on television or on radio, or just someone else, I won't hear them. I won't hear them. I don't know why. I won't hear I think it's, again, the vibration. Mm -hmm. It is a motive it is a sincerity behind it something that is in touch something that permits jesus himself to speak through someone to read the words okay i can hear the words i not only look at them i hear them and i feel them okay now when you read in the scriptures that jesus was crucified mm -hmm. but I, I quoted from elizabeth claire prophet earlier that she says this is a pagan doctrine Mm -hmm. uh, how do you when, when you read all these gospel accounts about the crucifixion of Christ you even mentioned yourself about Pontius Pilate and, and I think the biblical record is pretty clear that he was crucified and then you go into the epistles of Romans and uh, you know the, the, all the other epistles they pretty much bring it up particularly Hebrews mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 7 through 10 is particularly powerful uh, of his death on the cross his shed blood being the atonement for our sins. In other words, if, if Jesus doesn't die a death like that on a cross and shed his blood, then we can't be forgiven of our wrongdoings against the Holy One of Israel, and we'll have to go to hell forever. Now, and then there's plenty of scriptures that, you know, mention this place called hell of eternal punishment and damnation. Now, how does, let's say, uh, a death, a vicarious atonement on the cross where Christ dies and sheds his blood for sins of the people and to save us from a, let's say, an everlasting burning hell where souls are cast in for all eternity to be tormented. How does that tie in with the teachings of Elizabeth Clare Prophet as given to her by the Ascended Masters? 
Well, you know, we realize that the historical figure, Jesus, went through that. And we have great compassion, but he had much greater compassion for us. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They don't even know what to do unto themselves by doing this. And I tell you, this is, this is a merciful Christ, and it's a loving and kind Father. But he demonstrated that in the person of Jesus. Again, he did not have to go through with it. There was no guarantee to God that Jesus was going to go through it. As a matter of fact, there was a bit of doubt in the Garden of Gethsemane. I went to the rock. I went there this time around. I saw where he, uh, he sweated and uh, the, the drops of blood. And you touch that rock, and it's still electric from his presence. But he went through it. A courageous heart and something. We have taken Christ off the cross. We're not saying that he was never there. He went there. You and I go there. Okay, and then that brings us to a key point. Of course, I would like to just take a slight little sure. issue with you on, uh, on the fact that, as I mentioned, all those 435 prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament, some mentioning his coming death, and, you know, you go to Psalm 2, you know, kiss the son lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. Things of this nature, we find that he is going to be exalted uh, according to the, the prophecies given in the Old Testament. So it was like a sure thing that he would die that death and then be assaulted, uh, exalted to the right hand of God the Father. Uh, so I, I just take it just a slight issue that there wasn't a... Basically, from God's perspective, there was never a doubt that he was going to go through it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put all those prophecies in there is all I'm saying there. But I understand what you're trying to say there. Uh, but the, but the, the, the point I'm trying to get to here is, okay, uh, the distinction is made in Church Universal and Triumphant that Jesus is a historical person, as you're, you're mentioning, but then the Christ is like the divine idea man, as I guess uh, some of the mind science uh, people would say. I have an Ernest Holmes book here and a few other ones by the Fillmore's and so forth. Uh, Mary Baker Eddy also mentions something like this. That the Christ is a different, is a, is a, is a divine principle. It's a, it's a consciousness, that a divine consciousness that we all possess. You have it, I have it. You know, it's sort of like it, everyone has the Christ. So this was not unique to Jesus. But uh, from a historical orthodox position where I'm coming from, the tradition, obviously we would say that uh, the Christ only applied to Jesus, the historical figure, alone. And that there is no uh, Christ consciousness principle that applies to everybody and that everyone has this thing. Now, uh, if you could, what I'm trying to get to it is some, some, some uh, stark contrast here between the two uh, ideologies, theologies. Uh, you accept that the historical man, Jesus Christ, died on the cross. You said he didn't have to do it, but he, he chose by his free will to do it. But how does this tie in, in, in your uh, construct of theology, how does this tie into uh, the meaning of his death on the cross from your position? Okay, it's, it's a, a, a question that is uh, somewhat uh, thought-provoking for a part of me. Uh, uh, it's, but it's very wonderful on an, an other part of me because, again, we come back to the one thing, what is truth? What is the truth of this given situation? And as I 
try and answer this question precisely, and I hope I can. I will do my best. I would like to just read uh, from um, the author's message here of Climb the Highest Mountain. The Christ whom so many proclaim and so few understand is not confined to a nation, to a people, or to a person. Christ is the light emanation, the solar logos, the living word by whom all things were made and without whom was not anything made that was made. You are a fragment of the Lord's body, a measure of his attainment, destined to be a chalice for his light, that you might give a cup of living water to a humanity waiting to be filled. We may well ask, as we look at the world around us, has Christianity failed, or have men failed the Christ? Our answer would be that men have failed because the complete teachings of the Master of Galilee, of John the Baptist, and of the prophets who preceded them have not been made available to the multitudes. These we must make plain. These we must free from the shroud of dogma. These we must set forth that the day might come which Micah foresaw when every man should sit under his vine and under his fig tree, to be self-taught by the great mediator of the word. Now, Jesus, the man, embodied the Christ. He had that total mastery. He was the, and still is, the great master of life. Is he, uh, just to reemphasize re re mm -hmm. that, he is, is, is he the greatest ascended master, avatar? Or? Uh, he had in the physical embodiment as Jesus demonstrated the highest attainment of Christ. Better than Buddha or any of these other El Moria? At, at his time. Oh, at his time. At his time. So someone else could be as great as he was in their time, at a different time at, when Jesus wasn't there. In other words, we are all meant, as he said, the things that I do, you shall do also, and greater things shall you do, because I go on to my Father. He, that wasn't just idle words. That was a promise. That he's, he wasted no words. He was a stern, loving master. And he knew that we are all, his son, all the sons and daughters of God. And we were created in his image. If God is a spirit, we are spirit sparks. He says, uh, greater things than these shall you do also. Uh, just a quick question mm -hmm. as you continue to answer the question. Uh, in John chapter 8, around verse 44, Jesus said that uh, to the scribes and Pharisees, who were, of course, plotting to kill him. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, they tried to kill him there at the end of the chapter. But uh, he uh, said that uh, you are of your father the devil. Mm -hmm. And he said they were not of God. Mm -hmm. And so there are some people who are children of God and, and children of the devil. I think you get that also in First John. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I'm saying is, uh, look from what Jesus was telling these people, that there are some people that aren't of God. They're oh, of the boy. devil instead. He knew. He knew. He could spot you. He could spot mm -hmm. you. But he also said, you know, you can bend the knee. You can turn around. You have free will. He ca actually, he was a way show. He came. He came, he says, I am here. And some took him up on it, and some didn't. Was it the pride of the human ego that prevented some from not bending their knee, and others who had similar uh, stature to bend the knee? 
Well, I think Jesus gave the answer to that in John chapter 6, where he said, No man can come. This is John chapter 6, verse 44. He said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. And then he also went on to say uh, uh, in verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And uh, also in verse 63 of that same chapter, he said, uh, uh, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Verse 65, And he said, Therefore saith I unto you that no man, can come unto me, except it were given of him of my Father. And it's interesting, right after he said that, says that at that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And as you know, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that certain people are predestinated to be uh, elected to salvation. And in fact, in uh, Romans chapter 9, it says that some God, God uh, has mercy on and some he hardens. And, uh, you know, he'll have mercy on whom he'll have mercy, and he'll harden whom he'll harden. And uh, so it's really God who decides who's going to come to Christ and who's not going to come to Christ. God makes a decision. And uh, so it may be, uh, well, you know, in Romans chapter uh, 3, it says uh, uh, no, uh, all are sinners, uh, and no man seeks God. No, not one. So all men are not seeking God. They, in fact, it even says that uh, in Romans 8, 7, that men, men's minds are at enmity towards God. They hate God. And so it takes the Spirit of God through the Holy Spirit to uh, get men to be drawn to Christ through the election of the Father. And so uh, what I'm suggesting here is that if men left to their, quote, free will, end quote, without God doing anything... Uh, they will freely choose to reject Christ every time. <laughs> so I'm taking a little issue with the uh, the free will situation there and that I'm bringing in the sovereignty of God into that issue. But anyway, go ahead and respond to that. Okay. Uh, the free will is perhaps the Father's greatest gift to all. He, above all, has the biggest free will to be able to give us created in his image we have the free will too but the free will is predicated on god's holiness his yes. righteousness his omnipotence mm -hmm. his omnipotence his uh, eternality everything he holds to be right and righteous mm -hmm. i might mm -hmm. I, I might say so that will is in accordance to what god's own nature would dictate so uh, and i believe it was uh, his son the christ jesus who embodied the full the full Christ, because he ascended in the in the light. So, so he came as the way shower. He says, "Now you have free will. I cannot interfere with your free will. God doesn't interfere with your free will because it's His gift to you. But I'm here to show you a better way. It, but it's up to you. You know." Okay. Now this gets us back to the original question. Then, so God sent, according to all those prophecies in the Old Testament, this is another reason why I believe that uh, you can trust the Bible, let's say, as an authority because of the, the manuscript evidence going back over time. We have the Dead Sea Scrolls. We have all these manuscripts uh, predating uh, even the time of Jesus for the Old Testament. Uh, 
plenty of manuscript records there. We've got archaeological evidence that verifies there really was a city named Jerusalem. It wasn't just some figment of someone's imagination who made up an imaginary mythological town and created some kind of religion out of it. Uh, we, we find that the scripture uh, talks about real people, real events, real things going on. We've got the prophetic utterances mentioned throughout the scripture which defy all known probability as far as I can figure, particularly the most incredible prophecy found in Daniel chapter 9 verses 30, uh, verses 24 through 27. But, but anyway, we've got the God here who freely sends his son to die a death on a cross. Now this is getting us back to the original question. Mm -hmm. And uh, God sends his son to die to save other people from this damnation of hell that he's going to send people to if they don't repent of their sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ alone. There's no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved than Jesus Christ. So you can't be saved through Buddha, you can't be saved through uh, Muhammad or any of these other religious figures. You can only be saved through Jesus according to what God freely has determined by his own will. Now, in light of all this, Werner, <laughs> how, and, and, as I, and just to contrast a little bit more, I'm going to read, uh, you know, Elizabeth Clare Prophet in her book, uh, The Lost Years of Jesus, where she purports that there were long-lost manuscripts found in the Himalaya Mountains, uh, you know, where Jesus, uh, you know, traveled east with a caravan and studied with gurus in India and neighboring countries. And basically, uh, she, she claims this through the Ascended Masters, this idea of God sending the Son to die a death on a cross to save us from our sins through those who have put their faith and trust in him and repent from, of their sins. She says, quote, The erroneous doctrine concerning the blood sacrifice of Jesus, which he himself never taught, has been perpetrated to the present hour, a remnant of pagan rite long refuted by the word of God. God the Father did not require the sacrifice of his son Jesus of his son Christ Jesus or of any other incarnation for the sins of the world end quote so here's Elizabeth Clare prophet point blank I, I you know saying this is all false the word of God doesn't teach it uh, this is this is this is uh, no one not any incarnation has ever come along and taught this doctrine and of course I understand this this uh, would have to be the case from your perspective since uh, the doctrine of, I believe, Werner, correct me if I'm wrong, is of doctrine of reincarnation is, is taught in, uh, in, in your religion that you are reincarnated. And therefore, the blood atonement of Christ on the cross has to be thrown out the window because uh, if, uh, as it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, uh, it is given unto man once to die and then the judgment of God. But if you're reincarnated, then you can die over and over and over and over again. Sort of like an aluminum can being re re recycled. But uh, the atonement then wouldn't be so necessary as you could work out your own karma. But if Jesus died for our sins, then that eliminates the karma that you'd have to work off through your successive reincarnations. And so what I'm saying is uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet is at least consistent in her theology by if she's going to believe in reincarnation, then obviously the blood atonement of Christ has to be false. Because if it's true, according to historical Christianity, then reincarnation has to be false. <laughs> because you don't need to die over and over again for bad karma, because Jesus died once for all for our sins, as it states so clearly in Hebrews. Uh, respond, please. Well, I, I, I know this is um, 
This is very involved and I'm sure that uh, in our hearts we'll continue to think about the, the questions that we have uh, asked and the answers we have given and to keep on keeping on. But I would like to go back to the question that you asked me and perhaps um, give an answer as best as I can. Not only did Jesus go through the crucifixion, but let's take a look at something else that Jesus did. He was transfigured. He was resurrected. He made his ascension. Now, how wonderful that is for the person of Jesus to know. And how wonderful it is for us to know that not only was he crucified, but he was actually before that transfigured. He was resurrected and he made his ascension. Those are not only possibilities for us, those are those are the desires of God Almighty Himself for every son and daughter of God that so we make you, our ascension. Okay, so are you saying that uh, uh, we, God wants us to be crucified? Uh, gentlemen, uh, I hate to interrupt. We are coming up uh, rapidly running out of time, and we have come to the point where we need to go ahead and do our three-minute closing statements uh, for each of you. So, uh Werner, if you want to go ahead and and make a three-minute closing statement, if you are ready, let's go ahead and proceed with that. Well, thank you, Lee, and I'll, I'll go ahead with that right now. If you are among those who keep an open mind and who are eager to learn new and scientific truths, keys that will unlock your full potential and free you from a sense of drudgery and frustration, if you are looking for a more effective means to help your family and friends, and at the same time discover your inner self, if you believe there is a purpose to life, that the spark was not intended to go out, then we invite you to take advantage of facts and findings that you may have never imagined could be true or possible. Thank you very much. Thank you again, Werner, for being here with us. Thank you. Uh, I'd like okay. to mention here in my closing statements that uh, for those that have heard about the lost years of Jesus, as mentioned by Elizabeth Clare Prophet, I want to recommend right away there's an excellent book called The Counterfeit Christ of the New Age Movement by Ron Rhodes, published by Baker Bookhouse. It answers and refutes all of the teachings about Jesus being in these India and all these kinds of places. I'd also like to mention other teachings that I didn't get around to asking Werner about, but their doctrine of salvation is like Hinduism and Eastern thought in general, and the essence of salvation lies in self-realization. When one becomes aware of one's own divinity, salvation is accomplished. This is something they teach. Uh, I didn't get into a lot of the teachings that they have that I wish we had had time for. Their in, the ideas on end times, church, uh, humanity, and so forth. There are also their teachings on animism, uh, where they believe that uh, uh, spirits inhabit non-living elements of nature, like the sun is an example. And I could quote things from there, but I'm running out of time rapidly. Okay, I'd like to say in conclusion that the church universal and triumphant cannot, and in the final analysis, be considered anything other than an antichrist religion as described in such places as 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 and uh, verse 22, also chapter 4 and verse 3, and 2 John verse 7. The gospel of the church, uh, church universal and triumphant is another gospel as described by Paul in Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 9. 
just as Paul mentioned there, an angel from heaven uh, preaches another gospel. This could easily be one of Elizabeth Clare Prophet's ascended masters who are described well in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15 about those who come uh, as angels of light but really are the, the, um, the, the messengers of Satan. The church universal and, and triumphant has all the, the marks of an antichrist Christian religion such as they deify man, humanize God, minimize sin, ostracize the scriptures. They have a different Jesus, a different sal uh, salvation, a different spirit, modern day prophet. They think uh, they have the only way for the true church uh, in, in the sense of the ascended master speaking through their prophet. And uh, just remember, uh, and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. And in a final analysis, we find in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to Father except by me. That's Jesus Christ, not Buddha or anyone else. If you like our YouTube channel, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button and then by also clicking the bell above to get an automatic update whenever we produce another YouTube video for our See Answers TV channel. Please share our videos with your friends and relatives. May God bless you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. See related videos by tapping or clicking screens.